You're listening to the Habitology podcast with Melanie White and today I want to talk about client and work boundaries. These days we live in a 24-7 world and for a lot of people running your business is a 24-7 proposition. And in that case the question really is how do you maintain work-life balance? How do you get enough time off for yourself to replenish and to do work that you love and enjoy and that energizes you? That's what I want to talk about in this episode. More specifically, I want to walk you through some ideas for setting boundaries with clients and at work so that you can feel in control and confident, so you can live a more balanced life, and so that you can create cash flow and greater client success. A bit of backstory before we start. Let's talk about the modern work world. Before the internet, small businesses were set up as bricks and mortar benches that relied on print marketing in the physical world and pounding the pavement to find new clients, relying on relationships for referrals. It was a lot simpler. Businesses were open to the public during standard trading hours and probably worked more than this behind the scenes, but they definitely had a defined window of client time and Most of the shops used to be shut on the weekend once upon a time, not that long ago. These days we have the power and the glory of the internet, which has created a virtual world that operates globally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And small businesses seem to be feeling the pressure of that and buying into it. And that's really what I want to start talking about today. In terms of small businesses, a lot of my clients are running solo businesses or have one or two employees or maybe less than 10, but they feel compelled to act like global businesses. They feel like they need to keep up with the big companies and answer emails and messages at all hours of the day and night in case they lose a client. They're showing up live on social media on weekends and evenings, early mornings, trying to engage people, trying to entice people, competing with everybody on the digital platform. And a lot of the people I work with seem to end up at some point comparing themselves to others who seem to be, in my client's words, more organised, they're all over it, they're very productive, they're getting lots of business, showing up consistently consistently all over the place and nailing it and they have loads of happy clients. And they're saying, how can I do that? Well, firstly, my friends, I want to say that is a point of view and not necessarily a fact. We all know that things often aren't quite as they seem to be. They're often different behind the scenes. But it definitely is true in some cases. There are people out there who are running their businesses like that. And if it were true and that person that you've been watching is seemingly everywhere and all over it, well, how exactly do they do it? Today, I want to walk you through three areas to set work boundaries for small businesses. And I can say that having been in business for over 25 years, from solopreneur right up to big company, I can say that with a few well-placed boundaries, you can be the owner of an efficient, effective and profitable business that affords you work-life balance and plenty of enjoyment. So here are some important work boundaries that will help you as a small business owner to get established, to grow and to thrive. This is not an exhaustive list, by the way. This is just my top three. The first one I think is the most important, and that boundary is 
only work with high chemistry clients. Let's start by saying that not everybody is your ideal client. I learned early on that by saying yes to everybody who inquires about working with me, I had great chemistry with some and not so great chemistry with others. I started to doubt myself as a coach in some cases and I later realised it was because I didn't have the right chemistry with those people. The chemistry that you have with a client directly impacts their results and that's important for your business, your client satisfaction and your self-worth and self-confidence. So when you work with just anybody, then your business may not be as successful as you'd like it to be. It may not build the reputation that you'd like it to build. When you work with low chemistry clients, you'll find that they're the people who are less committed, less engaged, less motivated, and the rapport is lower, and they're less likely to achieve their goals. That's an energy drain. It doesn't serve you or them, and it feels like you're pushing them or pulling them in a direction that they don't want to go. And that's probably the truth. But now picture how that changes if you only work with high chemistry clients. A very high portion of them will succeed. They will be way more connected and engaged and they will rave about their results and you and your services and your business reputation and referrals will soar. It's a basic formula that works. And so then the question is, how exactly do you attract and work with high chemistry clients? Firstly, you need to know who they are. And the best way to do that is to tap into how you feel when you work with people. If you work with someone and you look forward to seeing them every week and you feel lit up and energized after a session with them, chances are they're a high chemistry client. There are more things to it than that, but that's a basic overview, a quick way to, to check in with yourself. And then quite simply, to attract more of those kind of people, you need to be selective by setting some boundaries about who you do and don't work with. It comes down to that. You can do this by putting some filtering mechanisms in place to screen out anyone who isn't the right fit for you or your services and screen in those high chemistry clients that you want. Here are three steps to follow to make it easy. Step number one. When it comes to marketing, you can attract high chemistry clients by being specific and talking about what they are interested in, those specific topics, and using their specific language, pain points, and desired outcomes. You're talking to them in their own words. When you do this, you're more likely to build a tribe of high chemistry leads who are engaged and interested. They're signing up for your newsletter and they're reading it every week. They're interacting with you on your Facebook page or group. If you attract low chemistry clients by being general and vague and non-specific, then you won't get the engagement. They simply won't be as interested. So attracting those high chemistry clients by talking to them in their language is the first step. And that means that from the get-go, from the very first part, the very top of your marketing funnel, you're already starting to win. Step number two is that when you make formal offers for a program or service, you advertise an intake or an event that you're running for a paid service, you can list criteria who this is for so that those people reading that promotion can qualify themselves as a good fit or not. 
they're going to look at that checklist of traits. This program is for people who are motivated, ready to change, desperate to achieve X, Y, and Z, and wanting to get rid of A, B, and C, that kind of stuff. When you have those criteria up on your sales page or in your ad copy, most of the work's going to be done by the audience before they even reach out to you to find out more. They're going to say, yes, I'm that kind of person. This could be a good fit for me. Or, no, that doesn't sound like me. Great. You haven't even had to have a conversation yet and waste anybody's time. You've already done the step one of marketing to the right people. And then you've screened in or out the audience for the next step for the formal offer. Perfect. Now, step number three is before working with any of those clients who've responded to your offer, have a good fit call with them right up front to see if that person really wants to do your program and is the right kind of person. They could be the right kind of person but not be ready to do it yet. And that's okay. If they're not ready, maybe they can join the next round. And if they're not the right person, you can refer them to another coach or another practitioner or simply tell them that you don't think you can help give them the right sort of help that they need. Um, they're welcome to keep following you but it's probably better that they do an alternative program that's more suited to what they need and want right now. Easy. Imagine yourself as the client in that situation. Would you rather that somebody be honest and upfront with you or would you rather find out halfway through a program that this really isn't your jam and you've spent all this money on time and time on something that you're not really committed to and probably won't work? I would prefer the honesty upfront. That's who I am. And that's the way I work. It might feel a bit scary or confronting to be honest up front. But that feels that discomfort is way better than the discomfort of having clients drop out and be dissatisfied halfway through simply because they're not the right fit. It might be nothing to do with you and your services. I want to say something about the language here. In marketing, the process that I've described is often referred to as creating touch points. And the theory goes that the more interactions or touch points that you have with clients, the more easily they will build trust and potentially buy. And sure, that's true, but it sounds kind of clinical and I want to challenge the idea and flip it on its head so it's a bit more coaching-like. I would prefer to call this process something like Chemistry 101 because the clearer you are about what you do and who you serve, the more enjoyable your business will be, the more enriching your work, the more eager your clients will be to engage with you and the more satisfied they'll be and the better results they'll get. So instead of creating touch points, you're creating chemistry points or connection points and find the right person to work with. It just makes sense. So that's that first boundary, only working with high chemistry clients. The second boundary is to establish clear working hours. This is really important. And I get it, when you're starting in business, you really wanna get clients and you feel a bit like you're going to let anybody in the gate and bend over backwards to service them. The problem is that I often see exhausted coaches who are working long hours, scattered hours through the week, nights and weekends, trying to fit clients in at any given time slot. And these coaches often have no downtime. They're constantly thinking about work, working all weekend and lying awake at night with their mental to-do list. 
Imagine how hard it's going to be to coach when you're feeling like that all the time. It's so important to optimise your energy and you do that by setting boundaries around your working hours to do that. So there are two things that I want to talk about. The first thing is working hours. Now think of even a big store like Harvey Norman. They advertise specific opening and closing hours and you can't go and buy a dining room table at 9pm on a Sunday. You just can't. <laughs> so if you set firm working hours, you're setting a boundary. And right now you're probably saying to yourself, yeah, but I might lose clients if I'm strict with my working hours. Well, here's the truth bomb. When you work with low chemistry clients, as defined earlier, they tend to be the types of clients who are too busy to fit in with your schedule. They cancel repeatedly. They're not really committed. They can't fit you in. They turn up late or they want you to work odd hours and accommodate them. And you end up running yourself ragged trying to keep up with their demands and changing goalposts. You're pandering to them. On the other hand, when you work with only high chemistry clients, then your availability is probably going to align with theirs. They're going to show up on time every time and only cancel if something unforeseen and major happens. They're more willing to negotiate the session times and find something to suit. They're more likely to fit in with your boundary. And why is that? Well, it's because of the chemistry. It's because they value your service and they respect you. And that's the difference between a high chemistry client and a low chemistry client. The high chemistry client will respect your working hour boundaries and they won't be the type of person that cancels or delays or postpones or doesn't show up or makes unrealistic demands on your time. And they won't be constantly messaging you between sessions because you've set a boundary about your availability. You've been clear. And there's integrity in that. The second place for setting boundaries is non-working hours. That's the second part of that. Having dedicated not negotiable time off from work is setting a boundary. And why is that important? I think you know the answer, actually. I don't even have to say it. You know that if you're constantly working and not sleeping well and giving up all of the fun activities in your life for the sake of your business and clients, you're going to start feeling tired, resentful, disillusioned, and you might start questioning your ability and your dedication to your business. I've seen it way too often, and what it usually means is that you don't have enough joy in your life. You don't have enough fun outside of work. You don't have enough time off doing mindless, frivolous things that allow you to reset and restore your energy. Here's a really important thing about this. When you set a boundary around your time off, it shows your integrity. It positions you as a role model to your clients for work-life balance. It commands respect. And more importantly, it gives you the opportunity to rest, relax and replenish your energy so that you can show up and be your best for those high chemistry clients that you want to impress and give value to. They are the people you value. You want to do the best thing by them and you can only do that if you take enough time off. And by serving yourself in this way, you are serving your clients and offering them premium value your best self. You're able to show up and do an amazing job and you will feel amazing because of that. Now here's the third boundary and this is hard for new business owners but 
please think about this one very carefully. Do what you're good at and let go of the rest. <laughs> I know, right? There's lots to do in business. But let me ask you this. Do you know anybody who is good at everything? I don't. In fact, as a small business owner, one of the boundaries you might need to set for yourself is to just focus on doing what you're good at and saying no to the things that you don't do well. That can clear up a whole lot of time and real estate in your head. Right now, you might be telling yourself that you can't afford to outsource things or you can't afford to buy those fancy systems that do it all for you, that CRM, that platform. But here's a perspective for you. How do you feel? Think about this carefully. How do you feel when you're constantly doing things that you don't enjoy, aren't skilled at, and don't do very well? How does that affect the running of your business? How does that affect your energy, the way you show up, the way you service customers? I would like to offer that by investing in the right support, whether that be systems or people to do work for you, then you're going to be more likely doing a better job servicing your clients and getting referrals as a result. Let's get more specific about this. Imagine what would happen if you stopped wasting hours and hours and hours on Canva or Facebook or MailChimp or any other thing that you wish you were good at but aren't really, that you can't master. You would have heaps more time to do important business building activities like networking or blogging perhaps or interacting in groups. This was for me a turning point in my coaching business. I wanted to do it all myself to save money and because I had a little bit of skill in some of these areas, not a lot but a bit, and I thought I could learn. Well, guess what? As soon as I outsourced design work, Facebook ads and email campaigns, and I stopped spending money on all of these courses that I never finished in those areas and felt irritated about spending money on and like I'd wasted time, I stopped stressing about getting things done. I stopped stressing about taking hours to do something that took other people just minutes. All of that was gone out of my head. It wasn't taking up any more valuable real estate. I finally figured out that it was way easier to pay someone 70 bucks to do those tasks for me in an hour rather than me spend several hours over several days trying to chip away at them, feeling like a failure, giving up procrastinating, feeling overwhelmed that it wasn't right or didn't look good or might not work, questioning myself, going back to it and having another go, feeling stuck and walking away again. For all of that time, I was useless to everybody. I was not coaching at my best. I wasn't working at capacity because I was feeling miserable about these stupid little tasks that someone else could have done in an hour for 70 bucks. Really? <laughs> all of those hours I could have been coaching. All of those hours I could have been networking. And I can't express what a relief it was to shop around and eventually find someone who is like me, this is my high chemistry contractor, who I trust implicitly, who can turn my ideas into reality before I've even had a chance to transfer the money into their bank account. Setting that boundary for myself was so worth it. And let me just say that even if you are capable, even if you are a fast learner, even if you can do it all, it doesn't mean that you should. Your business runs on the clients you serve and the products you sell. And 
if you're not spending at least two thirds of your time in business doing that, doing the work, then something needs to change. And you may need to set a boundary for yourself around what you do and don't do in your business. So here's the summary. Today, we discussed three areas for setting boundaries in business that will make a big difference to your energy, motivation, self-confidence, and your ability to show up for your clients. And those boundaries are only working with high chemistry clients, establishing working hours that you stick to and non-working hours, and finally, doing what you're good at and letting the rest go. I invite you to think about your own business situation and imagine what would happen if you started moving towards establishing these boundaries. How would you feel if you could operate your business like this? What might open up for you? What else could change? How would your business grow if you could set those boundaries? I invite you to consider what's possible and to map out a couple of first steps that you could take to start setting these boundaries over the next eight weeks so that you can regain control and confidence, create cash flow, and better serve your clients in your business. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> Have a great week, set some boundaries, and I'll see you soon.